So, hello everyone. My name is Oge. Um, welcome to this podcast, a discussion on vaccination and pregnancy. I will introduce Jess and Beth in a minute, but I just thought we'd start with, as it's about pregnancy, and pregnancy can be one of those weird and wonderful and crazy times, just have a chat about what sort of things has surprised our guests about pregnancy. <laughs> Uh, the weirdest thing that's happened to me in pregnancy that I was never expecting was that I keep getting nosebleeds. <laughs> um, and it's really strange and really creepy. And I was wondering why I was getting so many of them. And then obviously I Googled it, which can be a scary thing. But it, it said that it's very normal. So now every morning I wake up and have a nosebleed and it's just part of my day. Yeah, I think there have been so many weird things. Right now I'm at a point where... Um, things are not as weird as they, as they were before. I feel a bit used to it. I'm sure it's gonna change in a week's time or so. But one thing I'm finding strange is um, the looks from people who walk past you and how many people don't look at your face anymore. They just look straight to your bump. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's so true. All the and people the, work out if you're pregnant or not. Yeah. <laughs> and the expressions on their face and trying to read what they're thinking from looking at your bump um, is, is quite strange, quite kind of interesting actually in the streets. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing. So welcome everyone. My name is Oge. I'm a GP based in Barnet. I'm also one of the clinical advisors for the COVID vaccination program. And I'm really glad to welcome our two very great guests this evening. Um, who And this podcast is basically about um, vaccination, but it's also about pregnancy. And it's for pregnant women, by pregnant women. So really glad to have you all listening. So if you'd like to introduce yourselves, um, go ahead, Jessica. Yeah, so I'm Jess. I'm a GP working mostly in Islington in a few different roles. And I'm actually 30 weeks tomorrow, um, pregnant with a boy. And uh, my name's Beth. I've got absolutely nothing to do with medicine. I'm a fashion editor, um, but I am pregnant. I'm 24 weeks tomorrow. So Jess and I are quite synced up. I'm just a few weeks behind. Um, and I'm also um, expecting a boy. So really excited and also slightly terrified of this. It's my first baby. And I know it's Jess's first baby as well. So it's a whole new adventure. Great stuff. Really great to have you both on here. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about some of the pros and some of the potential cons of getting a COVID vaccination during pregnancy. The reality of being pregnant in a global pandemic has been quite a time for all of us, almost two years of it. First time any of us has experienced the pandemic. So it has been life changing in so many ways and affected every aspect of society. And I wanted to touch a little bit on the numbers and the statistics around the numbers of women in hospital with COVID um, and the COVID cases in general, in the general population, which remain stubbornly a little bit high. So thank you for coming and sharing, both of you. Really great to have you. So if we get started, we want to talk a little bit, first of all, about some of the common misconceptions. We've all come across it. And um, there's the anti-WhatsApp group where all the videos were sent round, you know, it's kind of changed and ebbed and flowed throughout the pandemic. But I want to discuss some of the common misconceptions you may have come across in terms of the vaccine. And there's some of the, there's been a lot of scaremongering out there. Yeah, so... I've I've spoken to a range of people. I haven't spoken, I have to say, to lots of pregnant women um, about the COVID vaccine, but uh, lots of colleagues and friends and things. And um, over time, as you say, there have been different things that have come up um, and concerns. And I think originally 
there were lots of concerns about this being a new kind of vaccine and whether it's, you know, there's not any long term data. Um, is it experimental? And of course, that's difficult enough when you're just deciding for yourself. But a whole other matter when you're thinking about your baby as well and being pregnant and um, your body working differently to normal. Have you, have you come across that doing your vaccine work? Yeah, no, definitely. Yes. Lots. I mean, if you remember right at the beginning of the program and people may not know this. So we started vaccinating last December. So almost exactly a year ago. And right at the beginning, one of the questions we ask is, are you pregnant or are you thinking of getting pregnant in the next three months? And if the answer at that point was yes, we weren't proceeding with vaccinating you. We were waiting. And then it was, I believe, April this year where the guidance changed because we had gotten a lot of observational data from the states to show that it was safe in pregnancy and actually recommended because in particular towards the later stages of pregnancy, COVID can be quite a problem and quite severe. So we changed tact, but a lot of people were like, hold up, what do you yeah. mean? Just a month ago, you were telling us you're not this giving is the it thing. I think we're in a really lucky position now because we've got the benefit of loads of really good evidence to make our decision um, but it is really difficult when you've been told something different by a healthcare professional yeah. and actually I think there are still unfortunately lots of healthcare professionals who aren't quite up to speed understandably because there have been just so many updates and things that are changing but you're not always getting clear messaging from health professionals and that I, I think is a big issue. I think definitely one thing that was really strange as someone who's not in the medical profession but was thinking of having a, a baby and then obviously got pregnant was this confusion because it suddenly went from pregnant women shouldn't get the vaccine to oh my gosh pregnant women definitely need to get the vaccine and it's really important and I think that really confused a lot of people and um and and I think whether you're pregnant or not um the whole of society now has this sort of perception that maybe pregnant people can't get it so mm -hmm. one thing that's been quite difficult for me I did quite a lot of reading into it but then when you talk to people and they say oh but because you're pregnant you haven't had the vaccine right and I'm like oh no no I I have decided to have the vaccine and, and then they're quite shocked and and it's one of the you know I think what I'm learning and probably Jess is learning is when you get pregnant all these judgments about yes. all these things go on you and actually whether you've got the vaccine is one of those new judgments now and it's not just convincing pregnant women I think it's um convincing like the wider population that it's a good thing for, for pregnant people to get it. And I think one of the common myths, especially with the new type of vaccines, it's it's relatively new technology for vaccines, even though it was used in the development of the Ebola vaccine um, and it's been used in cancer treatments, is the mRNA vaccine, that type of um, technology. So people are very scared about that and lots of scaremongering about it altering G DNA and changing the mRNA can change your DNA. And categorically, that isn't the case. That isn't true. And I think it then, because of with pregnancy and it's a new life and the formation and you know that the first, you know, few months are critical, that does cause, that has caused a lot of confusion. So that's the point. For me, it's all about conversations to debunk some of these myths and honestly have an open discussion about some of the fears. And I think you're right. A lot of women have told me as a GP that they in themselves may go ahead and get the vaccine, but they've been, they're under a lot of pressure from family members or from their partners not to. And that's caused a lot of difficulty, actually. So really important to still keep having open conversations about the, the pros and cons like this one. So um, with just a question, with the mRNA vaccine, 
are all the vaccines that we can get in this country that technology? Um, Good question. Yeah. So the first one that was um, licensed last December was Pfizer. So this was the first Pfizer biotech. So it was a joint and there was lots of collaboration between different countries. That is an mRNA. And all that means is that it gives your body messenger of how to produce something called the spike protein that's on the edge of the coronavirus virus so that if then your body produces antibodies against that spike protein the mrna itself disintegrates as soon as it gives the message to your body so it's not something that stays around it's not something that sticks to cells it's not something that can be transmitted through the placenta there's no biological plausible way that it can the vaccine itself can cross the placenta you we have great immune systems that then when it recognizes that spike protein, it produces fighter antibodies. And then if it was to come across coronavirus again, it can act really quickly and you know not make it as much of a problem. So even if you were to become infected, by and by is a much milder infection than if your immune system hadn't been exposed to that spike protein. So that's the idea. So both Pfizer and then there's another one that was licensed a bit later on called Moderna. Those are the mRNA ones. Those are the two main vaccines licensed in America and Israel. So because of that, that's the vaccine we recommend for pregnant women in this country, just because we have the most data and we're always extra cautious when it comes to pregnant women because we don't do the studies with pregnant women in it. So that's the reason. The other common vaccine that we use here, because it's Oxford and it's it's our, our, our British company, is AstraZeneca. So we use that a lot. I think that was licensed in January. We started using that from. That's a more traditional, we call it an adenovirus, where there's a vector, it's a modified cold virus that kind of had the spike protein added to the edge of it. And then that was injected in. Can't give you coronavirus itself. But again, your body then makes antibodies against that spike protein. So the spike protein is the main kind of target, if you like, to produce antibodies against. So that's how the two, the main vaccines work. But because AstraZeneca isn't used at all in America, we don't have the numbers of women that were vaccinated. Hence why the recommendation is to have one of the mRNA vaccines. Doesn't mean AstraZeneca isn't safe and we are collecting information all the time. So there's lots of women that didn't know they were pregnant that got vaccinated with AstraZeneca and then later on found out they were pregnant. And even as a GP, I've had a form asking me to fill in information. So they are following up those women. And the advice is if you had the first vaccine with AstraZeneca and you had no side effects, you can proceed and have the second with AstraZeneca. That's the current guidance. So that's a bit of a long-winded way of, of snapshot of what the different vaccines are. So those are the three main ones that are widely available. There is one more called the Johnson vaccine. That's one dose. And that is also licensed here, but I haven't practically seen that as much as the other three. And am I right in thinking a lot of patients have asked me, you know, can I mix and match and say you'd had your first AstraZeneca? Um, from what I've heard, it's safe and it's fine to actually then have a different kind of vaccine. And actually, you may have a slightly different immune response to that vaccine. So that might be a good thing as well. Is that what you're advising women? So the official guidance is to have your, with your first two doses, to have your second dose the same as your first dose. So eight weeks after your first dose, you should have a second dose with the same vaccine, unless you've had a really severe reaction to the first one. For the booster campaign, so those are people who are six months after their second dose, the booster 
it's been recommended to be the mRNA vaccine, large and large. So that's the one that's available as a booster and the recommendation by the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization. They've recommended that the booster should be with one of the mRNA vaccines. Um, so Great. we're not mixing and matching the first two doses as much unless someone has a really severe reaction after the first one. But um, the booster is with Pfizer or Moderna. Um, if we move on to um, the next bit, where we wanted to talk about the risk of COVID itself in pregnancy, during pregnancy. And it isn't about scaring everyone, but it is about letting people know the facts. There's a risk and a, there's a benefit to everything, even taking paracetamol. And for me, it is about having a discussion about all the information, not to mention the risks of COVID-19 infection itself. We wouldn't be complete without talking about that. There's a reason why COVID-19 has shut down the whole economy and country and the world and has caused the pandemic and all the problems because it can cause really severe illness. And for those that haven't heard, recent data has shown that nearly 20% of the most critically ill people with COVID in hospital are pregnant women who haven't been vaccinated. And it's a really awful kind of statistic, but we have to be honest with what our hospital colleagues are seeing in their critical care and their intensive care units. Um, and these women are healthy otherwise. Pregnancy is a relatively relative immunosuppressed compromised state. So we know you're more susceptible to infections. And we know in particular in the third trimester, COVID-19 infection with the effect it has on the lungs and breathing can cause a particular problem. Hence why we have to kind of let people know that that's what we're seeing. I don't know if you've had that discussion with any other peers or friends or colleagues. I think that's a massive thing of thinking, well, chances are if I get COVID, I'm young, I'm healthy, it's going to be a fairly light infection. And that's what I was thinking until I got pregnant. I did have my vaccines anyway, because I'm obviously uh, working as in um, healthcare and having a lot of contact and contact with people with COVID. But I think that was a real realisation for me of seeing that and thinking how utterly awful that would be to be so unwell and pregnant, which is already, you know, a massive strain on your body. And you can already feel you know, I'm normally a runner and I love exercise and fit and healthy. And, I, you know, it has a, you can feel it having a huge strain on your body. You can feel when you climb the stairs, you breathe more, you know, very quickly. You find yourself out of breath. So to imagine becoming unwell, even though, you know, there's a possibility you could get COVID in the third trimester of pregnancy and get it quite lightly. Um, but that risk for me, the combination of the high rates in the community having to take the tube, going to work, seeing friends and family, going to restaurants, knowing there is a significant risk every day, plus that small risk of having it very, very badly. To me, the benefit of the, the vaccine was just so obvious. It's If we were talking about a vaccine for something that was very rare, it, it would have been a more difficult decision. Mm -hmm. But do you see what I mean? The, the more you're going to have contact with something that you know is potentially severe, those risks are so high that it made the decision a lot easier for me, even though it wasn't what well, I didn't. It wasn't a straightforward, completely easy decision at the time I had the booster in pregnancy. Um, yeah, I just it's it's very, very sad to think of these women, as you say, to be pregnant, you have to be pretty healthy in the first place, even just to get pregnant. So then for those to be people to end up on intensive care ventilated, you know, this is not a small thing. It's going to be so difficult to recover from that, even if you're not pregnant. Yeah. Um, 
and that plus adapting to life with a new baby, um, you know, all of the changes that happen in your body anyway, it just, it's really sad to think about those women. Thank you for sharing that. Beth, it's exciting to have a non-medic actually to have this discussion with as well. What were some of the things you've heard in terms of that balance with COVID infection itself? And actually, if you're young and healthy, you may have it mildly and get over it. Lots and lots of people do. But then it's the unpredictability of the people who are affected. There's no way. Yes, we know the older age or if you have a condition, you may. But I've had lots of people you know, registered with my practice patients who were fit and healthy and ended up really unwell with it. And I can't predict who, who, which way it was going to go, as it were. What were some of the things you were hearing and some of your thoughts? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really tough one. And I think it's, it's such a difficult decision um, for, for women to make. It was quite interesting because I, um, I was kind of in my first trimester around the time that another one of my really good friends was nearing her third trimester and this was around the time that um, a lot of the lockdown restrictions were lifting and I was feeling quite nervous about getting my second vaccine I'd had my first vaccine just before I got pregnant um, and I'd actually I actually did decide to delay getting my second dose until I was out of my um, first trimester just actually because I spoke to a friend who lives in another country where women were being recommended not to have it in their first trimester. I know that's not the NHS advice and it probably would have been totally fine, but I decided to make that decision. But then on the other hand, I had this friend who was, you know, really wanting to kind of take part in the world and, you know, go out and meet people and make the most of the fact that lockdown was over. But she was really nervous about getting COVID. She had, she had read a lot about, you know, the, um, how bad it can be in your third trimester and she was desperate to get her second dose before the lockdown and she actually um she really wanted to get it earlier than you know was was kind of recommended and she couldn't and I know it's a really difficult and worrying time for her so I, I think it's um yeah there's this real push-pull of you know doing what's trying to decide what's right for you for you and your baby and when and everyone will is kind of bombarded with all this different information but I mean, it's just so sad seeing the stories in the press of women who, sadly, some of them even dying um, and never getting to meet their babies. I just yeah. I just can't even imagine that. And um, yeah, it's just it's just awful. But yeah, luckily, my my friend got her dose in the end and she's just had a lovely baby girl. So it's all lovely. good. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think it's that balance of risk benefit of everything so the risks of catching covid and as jess said you know you risk assess with your life but then the fact that being in lockdown being pregnant being shut away and shielding that has an impact that's not without cost wanting to get out and and have that the the benefit that has on your well-being and mental health but then this virus is still out there and the numbers are rising and the vaccine is protective but then all the concerns about the potential tiny risk of a severe side effect to the vaccine versus the risk of severe illness from covid and it's a really tough balance but everything's on a risk benefit angle if you like and definitely the benefits of vaccination do outweigh any potential risks and it is about letting people know that as as Jess said and as you've said Beth but it is a really tough 
push and pull just with the information, with all the judgments, as you said, you know, people will have their opinions of what you should, shouldn't do and when you should do it. I wanted to address the first trimester and we all know the first trimester, everyone is so extra careful. You have taken time maybe to get pregnant and we know that's not necessarily an easy journey for many. You know, you avoid medication, you avoid alcohol, you, you know, you take it and you may feel really unwell too. People, women have morning sickness, your body's changing in ways you may never have imagined. So I think for lots of reasons, it's reasonable to wait if that's the decision you want to make. But then it is safe to proceed like some are really biting at the bit to get it as soon as possible because they want to get out and about. So everyone will weigh up that decision and for themselves. And I think from what you said, Beth, it's absolutely fine to wait to the end of the first trimester. But if you wanted to proceed and have it straight away, that's fine as well. I also read, I've, uh, there was this um, doctor on, he's got a Twitter account called Dr. Vicky Mail, um, mm -hmm. and she was posting a lot of really useful studies that had been done. And I just found it quite reassuring. I mean, some people won't want to go into that much detail, but to look and, you know, she was comparing lots of things, looking at risks and, you know it was really reassuring to look at like very solid data and I know the NHS website had a lot of that as well so sometimes it's it's good to kind of be able to block out all that she said he said this person told me this person told me and just look at the scientific studies and I, I personally found that a really reassuring thing to do when I was making my decision. That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing both of you just in terms of that journey because it isn't the most straightforward of ones as you said. So I wanted to move on to talk about the vaccine and fertility. And I think you both mentioned that you got your first vaccines before falling pregnancy, because I know that that's a really common worry from, from lots of women and men, actually. They really fear that the vaccine, and there's lots of scaremongering, that the vaccine will have significant effects and impairments on fertility. Um, so I just wanted to explore a little bit about um, your thought process if you were planning on, you know, trying to fall pregnant before you got the vaccine and if that featured in your decision making at all. Yeah, well, for me, it definitely it was something I considered because I'd been trying for a baby for a few months um, and then kind of got called up for the vaccine just at a time when there was so much stuff on social media about women who had been having all these kind of crazy side effects with their periods seemingly um and you know there was I feel like there was a, kind of quite a lot of anger with women saying you know no one's listening to us this is happening to us and I know it's a really hard thing to kind of study and and, and pinpoint but I kind of came to the decision that I wanted to get the vaccine if it meant that that month I wouldn't conceive then you know, I've already been trying for a few months anyway, it was fine. And um, I just kind of wait and see what happened. Um, and actually, maybe because I really didn't think it would happen that month, a week later, I was pregnant, um, or mm. got pregnant a week later. So after having my first vaccine. Um, so for, for me, it was, you know, it was fine. But I, I certainly have seen those anecdotal things on social media of you know, women who've had um, things happen with their periods. And yeah. um, I've seen those myths or misconceptions around um, what it might do to fertility. I don't, you guys probably have much more reassuring advice and evidence around that than the hearsay I've heard. 
Jess, have you come across? Yes, we've had, you know, women present with irregular bleeding, heavier than normal, lighter than normal. Um, have you come across any of that, either with patients or just heard that from? Yeah, and I've definitely heard from quite a few people it, it, as a reason for not wanting to have the vaccine at all, um, which is funny because from what I understand, what, what what we know, what we see a lot is that periods are very sensitive things and hormones yeah. can react to all sorts of things. So, you know, as GPs, we're always dealing with people who've had irregular bleeding or they've missed a period or they've had an extra long period. And generally, we don't worry about that. It's something we'd say, look, let's see how things go over a few months um, and kind of come back if, if you're worried and if things are persisting, because there are so many things that affect it. And what we do know now is that having COVID, for example, very often changes your period pattern just because of the impact on your body and the stress level. Yeah. Um, what I'm glad about is that, as far as I understand, changes to periods and effects on periods are now being investigated um, because there have been loads of reports of that after the vaccine, but it doesn't mean anything for fertility. And I'm like Beth, well, I was lucky actually because I had my vaccines very early, um, as soon as I could, because I was having a lot of patient contact and COVID contact at that time. And so I didn't even think about fertility. I hadn't heard anything about it at that point. And um, we're talking sort of December, January last year. Um, and more of a shock to me actually was then when I became pregnant, finding out that data about my immunity waning over month, you know, month by month. And that was more of a concern to me. But so I, I had the vaccines in December, January, and then became pregnant in about April. Um, so clearly didn't impact yeah my fertility yeah so I think it's just important to look at the data there and from what I understand the data shows there is no impact on fertility there have been yeah. just as many planned and unplanned pregnancies exactly. <laughs> in women who've, who've had the vaccine yeah and I think the observational studies I mentioned lots of women who took part in the initial trials you know with the vaccine which would have been spring um, 2020, summer 2020, so before the vaccines were licensed, um, then subsequently found out they were pregnant. So they've been followed through. So the idea that the vaccine, and, and again, remember, we've been vaccinating against infectious diseases for an age, you know, vaccination is not new. The actual type of vaccine, coronavirus itself, is new in terms of this pandemic, but we've vaccinated even pregnant women against infectious disease. So we have to normalize vaccination in pregnancy. We give the flu vaccine every year. We give um, the whooping cough vaccine in pregnancy at the moment. And um, periods, if we think about the disruption to periods. Like you said, Jess, this is something we see in our day-to-day -day practice as a GP. Lots of different things can cause it. The pandemic itself has been very stressful and may cause changes. But even if it's the vaccine and it's stimulating your immune system, what we found is it settles down after a cycle or two. But again, I always turn it back to COVID-19 infection itself. And I have patients, young women, with long COVID who nine months later are still struggling with period problems or you know, other long-term effects. So we always have to look at the risk of the alternative. And I think that's not talked about enough as it were, but I would encourage, and I think actually the oversight and the scrutiny 
and the attention this vaccine has gotten is actually good because we want to make sure that the information has been submitted, the data is being looked at properly. And I hear what you say, Beth, about the anger that people felt not listened to, but we have this yellow card reporting system in the UK. Anybody can go online and if they think they've had an adverse reaction to a medication or vaccine, they can submit that information. So it goes centrally and then they look for patterns and that's how they then highlight that this is an issue, this is something we need to investigate more this is not an issue so it's really I, I think the scrutiny is a good thing but people shouldn't be burdened and overly worried by things that um, really don't have that long-term effect and the British Fertility Society the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecology have also said that in their formal statements about it so thank you for sharing that so now in this next bit we wanted to talk a little bit about um after pregnancy and breastfeeding. I'm sure that that may take up your time. It could be that you're just getting through day by day at the moment. But some women are unsure about the vaccine because they're worried about, obviously, you're pregnant. Women, you know, you become, they, they worry about their baby and they're usually really selfless and everything is about making sure the baby's okay, sometimes to the denial of themselves. So a lot of the, the, the lack of confidence, I don't like the term hesitancy, the lack of confidence in the vaccine has been round fears of a potential negative impact on the baby. So I wanted to just kind of tease out your thoughts about that in your journeys. I guess it's maybe not something I've um, thought about so much, but I've definitely heard, obviously people are worried. I mean, I remember one person I was speaking to about um, about the vaccine and, and she, she was pregnant and she was like, oh gosh, is everyone saying my baby's going to come out with two heads and seven arms or something like that? You know, so of course you're worried about about that. And um, and I guess as well on the on the on the upside, I'd be keen to know what we know about um, you know the protection that that babies have if you do get the vaccine as well. Um, yeah, we could talk a little bit about that about the preliminary evidence, as it were. I mean, the vaccination is to protect mum. But there is evidence to suggest that the antibodies that I mentioned that are produced by mum cross the placenta and potentially are found in baby after delivery. So whether it protects baby from coronavirus itself, they're looking into that. But we there is precedence for that. So I mentioned the whooping cough or pertussis vaccination that's offered after 16 weeks of pregnancy, I believe now. And the idea of that is to protect um, the antibodies cross over to baby and babies protected from whooping cough disease in the first two months of life because of that placental transfer of the antibodies. So we do have precedence with another infectious disease. Um, Jess, any thoughts about effects on baby or anything you've come across? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't, I obviously did think about it at the time of having the vaccine. Um, but I didn't have a lot of worries about this just because, like you said, I've already had my flu, my whooping cough vaccine. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it's something that I've thought about so much. And certainly in terms of breastfeeding and things, um, I know it's also safe to have vaccines yeah. when breastfeeding. I guess as well. I, I mean, from what I've heard about what the first few weeks of having a baby are like, you know, I just think how awful would it be if you had to be kind of quarantined? I mean, I know that so many pregnant women went through this anyway, um, 
during lockdown when you weren't yeah. allowed to see anyone and they had given birth and they had to go through all that themselves without the support of their families but if you became ill with covid um you know just a few weeks after your child was born or something and then had to be doing all those sleepless nights and you know coming to terms with this new life with, with and not just and also just not having that joy of being able to share your new baby with um your loved ones I mean that just kind of really fills me with dread so I think if if there is something that you can do to kind of prevent that possibility of course I know that another lockdown maybe could happen or whatever but um if you can stop yourself becoming ill and having to quarantine yourself then I think I would really want to explore that option yeah I think there, there is a real shift in thinking that I've been finding quite difficult actually of what you would normally do for yourself so how you would normally make a decision for yourself versus now so I've actually had to cancel various things that I've booked up um because I've thought no you know this is something I would have done before and the risk was acceptable to me but suddenly it's you know it's making a decision with a, a different yeah a, a different perspective I suppose um and whereas perhaps usually if someone gave you some advice you might just go with that and run mm. with that decision not strictly related to what we were just saying but I think now it's more important than ever that you stand back and make the very very best decision you can rather yeah. than just a quick decision um I totally agree with Beth that those those first few weeks when the the body doesn't return to sort of normal immune function for some weeks after you've had the baby usually about six weeks and just seeing from friends and and patients how unwell people can get um I already to be honest I do still fear Covid yeah. now having yeah. had three vaccines I'm still feel quite anxious about it I had a tickly throat on the tube today and I just <laughs> oh yeah. god and you know I've spoken to a lot of women with with very young babies who have covid and are terrified of giving the covid to the baby which of course is almost impossible to avoid when you are breastfeeding and looking after a baby and their every need so i think giving yourself the very best chance of avoiding that scenario um is to me was the only sensible decision and i think that's really helpful actually because i do think People have to realise the vaccination is not a panacea. It's not that it eliminates your risk completely. But we have this really powerful tool in our box of different tools of which weighing up decisions to go to a concert with or football match with 60,000 other people when case rates are 30 to 40,000 a day. But someone else may be happy to take that risk. So it's individual decisions each day, you know, each hour sometimes. And like you said, being pregnant, you're you're thinking of someone else as well as yourself. So the decisions you'd make non-pregnant may be slightly different. And I think it's important to just weigh up all the different tools to protect. And in everything is about reducing the risk. So yes, people always say, oh, but you can catch COVID even if you've been vaccinated, but the risk is less, you know, and the risk of severe illness is significantly, significantly less. Um, or you can still transmit if you've been vaccinated, but the risk is less. You know, two unvaccinated people talking to each other, one vaccinated, one non-vaccinated versus two vaccinated, the risk is very low in the two vaccinated of transmitted compared to the two unvaccinated. So we have to tell people those 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 facts, as it were. In pregnancy, what we didn't mention as well is when someone is severely ill, there is a risk to the baby. It's not just you as a pregnant person. 
you've got the increased risk of stillbirth, i.e. the baby dying late in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, a lot of babies have to be delivered early, which has massive impact on them. Um, and then there's even things like increased rates of diabetes and strange things that we can't really explain. But that is that is with unvaccinated people in general who are who are severely unwell. And that evidence is so strong. So it's it's the baby's health as well at the end of pregnancy. And yeah, while they're still inside the womb. Yeah, no, really good points. Beth, you were going to say? I was just going to ask, obviously, we've heard quite a lot about women becoming seriously ill with COVID in their third trimester. But is it... Are, are many of those women women who've had vaccinations or is it mostly unvaccinated women? So the majority of um, women who are critically unwell in hospital are unvaccinated, the vast majority. Not to say that you can't get COVID. I've had patients who get COVID in their third trimester and we've managed them at home. We have a, 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 a programme called Oximeter where we monitor oxygens at home. So we send out oxygen monitors and they stay at home quite safely and recovered. So it's not to say every woman who gets COVID in their third trimester will go on to be severely unwell. But what we can say is looking in hospital and the data from critical care and ITU are the numbers of women who are critically unwell. Vast majority of them are unvaccinated and we have to let people know that information. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing those. So the last bit, we wanted to talk about the reality of being pregnant during a global pandemic. And um, you've touched on some of this already in terms of the decisions you may may or may not have made some of the anxieties we you've touched Beth on women who had babies you know lockdown babies is a term you know they're different breeds and species they're used to seeing people with masks etc or just used to um, their two parents or one parent at home for long periods of time and that time after baby is I mean culturally for me being from a Nigerian background it's definitely a whole family event whether you like it or not but <laughs> I can imagine how difficult it must have been in lockdown where it's just you and baby or you and partner and baby and um, what are your thoughts about being pregnant in a pandemic? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel really lucky in a way that touch wood, hopefully we're beyond the point of these really long, strict lockdowns, because I think actually one of the things I've really enjoyed about being pregnant is sharing the kind of excitement of it with my family and friends and mm. the idea of not being able to do that. Um, I, I think that must have been so hard and must have really kind of changed what so many women were expecting. But I think at this point where we're at now, it's a whole other sort of um, set of difficulties because as you say, everyone is kind of getting back to normal. So many people aren't even wearing masks on public transport. Mm -hmm. And so you hear about how vulnerable you potentially are as a pregnant woman. Um, and you really want to be out and about and kind of making the most of life after such a quiet year last year. But at the same time, you are really worried about um, the risks. And, you know, even though, as you know, I'm vaccinated, as you said, um, that you still really don't want to catch COVID. And yeah. I, I've been going back to work and being on public transport every day. And so it is something that I'm worried about but I'm just trying to kind of balance that worry with trying to have as much normality as possible and just trying to make sensible decisions but obviously 
you just don't know next week you could catch COVID and what seemed like a sensible decision a week ago will not seem like a sensible decision so yeah it's um it's quite hard yeah and yourself Jess any thoughts about being pregnant in a global pandemic I would agree with Beth that um I think I feel very very lucky to not be in the height of the lockdown period because that was such a difficult time and and I'm someone who likes to be out and about most of the time. I don't really like staying at home. I don't like working from home. Um, and luckily as a GP, there's not much chance of that most of the time anyway. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful and I hope that we don't have to go back to that sort of situation. Um, the difficulty I have now is just with the rules um, having lifted, I can't help but feel really upset sometimes. <laughs> most of the time I try to ignore or just put those feelings to the side. But when you're on a really, really busy tube, yeah. And there are people next to your face talking loudly. I feel like I think I feel extra emotional because I feel like saying I'm pregnant. You know, can't you see it's not about me? Like, it just mm. it really mm. uh, uh, there are times where I so nearly feel like saying something to someone who's coughing near me without a mask on or speaking loudly or whatever. Um, and I, I do think it's difficult in when there are no rules anymore, it's difficult to say what you need from your friends and from other people. So when, when, you know, meeting friends for dinner, no one really wants to meet outside anymore. And that's fine. But sometimes I just think, wow, this is quite risky. Um, I do try and say stuff quickly. I, I, I find, for example, with patients, if I immediately say, sorry, would you mind wearing a mask? It's much better than waiting until later on and then asking and um, just being very straightforward with people. Um, but without being over the top and trying to risk, you know, get the risk in perspective. Um, yeah. But hopefully, yeah, our level of protection, having had the booster, will protect us. And, you know, if I think it's impossible to completely avoid. So it's just important not to also feel too anxious and let it stop you doing stuff or stop you enjoying life. Yes. And then um, two vaccines give a really, really great level of protection, especially in the younger age group who um, you're in a high risk profession frontline. So you are eligible for the booster. But we do know that two doses, one dose isn't as good as two, especially against the Delta variants that we know is the predominant variant. So definitely two doses offers really good protection. And then everything is that balance of risk. Um, but thank you. I wanted to ask just to wrap up before we wrap up, just some of the really helpful sources of information that you've gone to for support and advice, um, whether it's on Instagram or web page or any accounts that you would want to recommend for people to get more information from. Well, one that I found really useful was um, Pregnant Then Screwed. Um, I follow them on Instagram. And when I was trying to make all my decisions about um, the vaccine I really liked the sort of clear concise information they had and the experts that they were speaking to I was looking at the NHS websites as well um but I found I did find that that Instagram account kind of humanized it a little bit um which was really helpful and um and it was through that Instagram account that I found Dr Vicky Mail as I said I think on Twitter who was posting lots of studies and lots of research that I found myself looking into. Um, I don't think I've ever read any as many scientific papers as I did when I was thinking about the vaccine, but um, I definitely found those um, really helpful if you want to go. I mean, my midwives were really helpful as well, but mm. a lot of the things that midwives said was, it's your decision, 
we've found that it's totally safe and it's totally fine and if you want to kind of unpick that a bit more then those were some of the resources I found useful to um to go down great thank you so helpful Jess anything you'd recommend yeah I don't have much to add to that really I think I'm not such a big social media user I wouldn't obviously being a GP I wouldn't look there necessarily for my information although I I do find not for this but things like mums now I found really helpful for you know even being a medic for other other things that have happened during pregnancy um and really supportive and I know exactly what you mean about being a bit more human um because when you read uh, you know reading studies is really helpful but sometimes you don't get all of the answer from doing that so I think listening to people talk in a bit more of a natural way like we are now yeah um is sometimes much more helpful than just reading that very scientific sort of language great stuff one website i wanted to talk about was one called nhsvaccinefacts.com and it does have personalized stories and i think it was started by one of the regions in london and others have added to it and that has some really good information i quite like instagram and there's um epidemiology it's called epidemiology so it's like it's supposed to break down epidemiology and I even though I have a science background she puts information in such a great way so I found that really helpful as well so those that are some good. places I've been to yes yeah I'm gonna check those out thank you really well thank you so much I think that's all we have time for today but thank you so much to Jess and Beth for joining us real pleasure to chat to you and thank you for your honesty and openness and sharing your journey of pregnancy and vaccination pre and during pregnancy. We wish you all the best with your remaining pregnancy and have a wonderful rest of the day. If you'd like any more information generally about COVID, COVID infection, COVID vaccines, pregnancy, information is available. The official NHS site is www.nhs.uk. Thank you very much for listening.